There is no mom manual. We all know that. So this is the place you want to be. To laugh, to learn, to share, to join. The moms couldn't be more different, but best friends, partners, and now family. Melissa is happily married. Denise is happily divorced. And they're parenting worlds apart. Their thoughts on many things, complete opposite. Complete opposite. Grab your friends and join the moms. Here's Denise and Melissa. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's just me, Denise, today. Melissa is... She takes the time in the summer to visit her family in Toronto and in St. Louis. So she's making her way back to New York today because we are hosting uh, an event here in New York tomorrow with Will Arnett for the film Teen Titans Go. So we'll, we'll be back with Will next week, which is really exciting. But, uh, but yeah, summertime is a nice time to see family, especially I'm blessed with my family that lives close by, but Melissa's family is all over the country, and so she takes this time to visit with her family. So it's just me, and we have a very exciting show. We, I have Liz McNeil, who is the East Coast editor of People Magazine, and she has a new podcast out with People called Cover Up, which is really fascinating, and it's I'm obsessed with it. So uh, Liz will be back to talk about that shortly. Uh, but for it's almost like a People magazine show because I think in the last podcast I was I mentioned that my story was going to be on People.com and I'm so grateful actually I know Liz through my relationship with People magazine because when I was diagnosed with breast cancer well I know Liz from our days working from my days working in the media and through friends and when I was diagnosed with breast cancer two and a half years ago, I wrote a piece and I sent it to Liz and she edited it and it wound up on people.com, which was really the start of my public sharing of my breast cancer journey, which if you've been listening, a lot of you know that sharing my story has been so helpful to me. And I find that every time I share something, I hear from people across the country and they tell me it helps them or even just talking to them. And so it's I've created this really amazing i call it my future i called myself a future cancer survivor so uh now obviously survivor but it's really this whole community now of people that we speak all the time and we bounce questions off of each other and share our stories so there was something about sharing my story that really got me through my treatment and um now the last couple of months have been I've struggled a little bit with a decision I had to make, so I just wrote another story, and I will share that with you now because it was up on people.com recently. I am a survivor every day. I I remind myself that every day. I may be cancer-free, but the diagnosis and continuing medications and decisions are forever. I began my cancer journey in January of 2015. I was finally happy. I was happily divorced mom of two boys, happy with my boyfriend and building my business when I felt a lump and was diagnosed with breast cancer just three months after a clear mammography. I had a lumpectomy, aggressive chemotherapy for six months, radiation daily for six weeks, and immunotherapy infusions for a year. When my treatment ended a year ago, I called it hashtag my breast year, though it was two years of treatment. Just like there's no parenting manual, there's no cancer manual. Everyone's journey is different. For me, I tried to live my life. I threw parties and planned trips with friends for the end of each phase to have something to look forward to. Sharing my story helped me each day, and speaking to my new cancer community friends across the country gave me more inspiration 
to keep sharing and helping others. I hosted one of our Mamarazzi events with Jennifer Garner just an hour after shaving my head. I went to a Bruce Springsteen concert the night before chemo began. Some days walking my kids to school was all I could do. I lost my taste and had no appetite, lost 10 pounds, lost all of my hair everywhere. I couldn't look in the mirror. With no hair, no eyebrows, no eyelashes, it was impossible to think I would ever look healthy again. On my first business trip to California after chemo ended, I was mistreated by the TSA. You may have seen the video. I then volunteered my time to shoot a public service video to make sure everyone knows the best way to travel with cancer and to remind their agents of protocol. My hair is now growing back, though I prefer their wigs. I have gained the weight back and I'm finally back to a normal lifestyle. I was recently diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and have also been living with rashes all over my body for the past two years. Apparently the treatment may have triggered something in my body and I'm now basically allergic to everything. I have scheduled surgery three times in the past nine months. I have canceled it each time. The surgery is called a salpingo oophorectomy. It's an elective surgery to remove the ovaries and fallopian tubes. I asked my oncologist why some women decide to do this after sur to do this surgery. His answer was so simple. Well, for women similar to you, if you keep thinking and worrying about the cancer recur recurring, I keep thinking about it, although I have no evidence of cancer. The doctors don't really believe I'm at increased risk for ovarian cancer, but can't say for sure. Because of the kind of breast cancer I had, I am on medicine for 10 years and also get a shot every three months, also for 10 years, to shut my ovaries down. I get another shot to strengthen my bones since estrogen is needed for that too. The estrogen the ovaries makes is what feeds my cancer, but not having the estrogen puts me at risk for other things like osteoporosis, mood swings, anxiety, depression, change in sex drive, and possibly pain during sex. I met with the gynecology oncologist last summer. After I asked him a million questions, he said it was reasonable and a good choice. I scheduled the surgery, then canceled it. I sent an email and asked my oncologist about it again. I scheduled the surgery again. I canceled it. I then set up another meeting with the surgeon. I probably asked him the same questions. I scheduled it. I don't think my decision or emotions about the surgery has anything to do with the fact that now I really won't be able to have kids anymore. It sounds so final, but that is not an issue for me. It's more about my life now. I'm finally on a good run, but after further questioning and research, I learned that ovarian cancer is hard to detect. It's often caught too late. Now I'm really beginning to think I should follow through with the surgery. Maybe I learned to live without my ovaries the way I've learned to live without my hair and with my wig. Newer, easier, better. And just keep living. Positively. Why would I keep my ovaries and tubes? Maybe the surgery is just the next step in this journey. And that was my piece from people.com and I went through with the surgery. And so I'm now 10 days recovered and uh, it, I'm very relieved that I did it. I, it's, it's more of a recovery than I knew about. You know, it's, a, it's done laparoscopically, which means that it goes in through your belly button and then two side incisions. And when people hear that, they, that you have surgery laparoscopically, they assume that it's like, oh, it's no big deal, it's through your belly button. But there is, that is a misconception. It is major surgery and it is a recovery of four to six weeks. And so I, my stomach is very, I want to say bloated, but it's, it's swollen. I still have stitches and 
I finally feel mostly okay, except I definitely have some side effects like mood swings, which if you're in my close circle, you know that already. And I just hope that it's, it's forgivable because it's real. And uh, there's a lot of side effects that come with surgery like this. And I'm, every day I feel better. And for the first week, it was hard to talk because my stomach hurt. Um, it's still hard to eat. Eating is, uh, I have to force myself every couple hours to have a few bites of something. So, um, because you get really full and your stomach is bloated and I don't really have an appetite, but I'm relieved that I did it. I'm grateful to People Magazine for continuing to share my story. I have shared it on all of my social media platforms. And again, just hearing from people across the country is what has gotten me through this journey. So it, it and it, and it, keeps me smiling while I'm still trying to adjust to my new body. So that is, that is where I am today. And so I want to thank people.com and Liz McNeil for also sharing my story. And now I'm so thrilled to share what they are doing with you. Joining me now is Liz McNeil. She is People's East Coast Editor, and she is part of the new podcast called Cover Up, which is a weekly podcast series that explores the unanswered questions surrounding the tragic car accident that occurred off the island of Chappaquiddick, Massachusetts in 1969. I think so many of us have, have heard Chappaquiddick and maybe don't know all of the details. So Liz has spent the last year going undercover and is 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 the podcast called cover up and you can find it on apple podcast spotify and google play and wherever podcasts are available and liz i have to tell you that this is besides my own the first podcast series that i have now become obsessed with (laughs) and i guess that's what happens and you've never done this before right it's people's first podcast and um, this was the idea that was chosen, and I really had no idea what I was, I knew it was going to be very, very difficult. Um, but like many, I didn't know that much about what had happened, really just the basics. And then as I um, started to meet people and ask questions, it really was an untold story, very mysterious. Um, but the interesting thing was there were still a fair amount of people who were alive. So this is 49 years ago, next week, so nearly 50 years ago, who were around from that time. I mean, many are gone, but there's still a fair amount of people who were really haunted by what happened, and they had really fascinating stories to share. And it is fascinating. I'm completely hooked. But for you, I mean, you've spent your entire career doing investigations and stories and a lot of people's biggest cover stories and so you're you're really used to digging in but i want to also say that you're a mom and so you have had to try to find the balance or whatever works for you in terms of digging into these stories reporting these stories and now obviously doing it as a podcast so so how have you been able to do that and and to figure out how to be the mom that you want to be and also to dig into these kind of really and fascinating stories that our country is obsessed with. This might be the hardest question I've ever been asked. No. So, well, it's, it's tough, right? Because it's very personal. And as every old moms know, it changes on a day-to-day basis, right? There's days that I, I mentally, I'm, I'm in another place. 
and then there's days, you know, when you when you make it to the uh, graduation and you cook that meal and whatever, and that, and that you know that I feel okay. So I have a stay-at-home husband, uh, which is uh, I'm very, very, very lucky to have. Wow, I didn't um, know that. Yes, I do. That's and, helpful uh, because I have I have very, very long hours with this job, and of course they're off hours too, right? It's not a nine to I don't really have a nine to five job. So um, so that. My husband is great, and um, but the job. Let's be honest; these hours they take a toll on on being a mom. You know, my 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 son sees me a lot hunched over the keyboard. It, I have, you know, sometimes. Like, what will that? How will he remember? How will he look back at that period? He might say, like, "Wow, my mom was really passionate about her career, and she loved it, and she loved her stories." I mean, there's a pain. <laughs> I'm sure he's seen me in pain, too. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, he sees, like, the most incredible, hardworking woman who loves what she does. So that's what you have to hope, right? And um, that he'll, but, you know, who knows how, what they'll take away and how he'll, we'll ask him 10 years from now, you know, what he, you know, took away from it. But um, you know how it is. You just, I work early in the morning. I'm sure, like, many moms are or late at night, and you take off, try to take off those, you know, the time when, when your kids need you. And... We just you just do what you got to do. Right. Now, this story in particular, I mean, I I I know what it feels like because I my background is also working in news and so when you right. get to be so entrenched in a story, I mean, doesn't it take over your life and especially this one is so fascinating. It has taken over my life. But um, you know, I I think about it when I go to bed. I think about it when I wake up, sometimes in the middle of the night, I think how will I how should I word that or what about that? question so you know I've, I've lived with it and when something gets inside you like that it's um it's very it's a very intense process and i've and i've lived with mary Jo Kopechny, you know the, the young girl who died and i feel like you know the first thing i did when i realized we were going to take this story on is i went down to visit her cousin you'll hear her in the podcast her name is georgetta patowski she was two years younger than Mary Jo, so she's like a sister to her, and she's now, she must be in her late 70s. And I asked, I went down to the family, because I had to be sure they were okay with it, because I was going to have to dig, and you never know, I didn't know what I was getting into, and they, they said they wanted me to, that they, you know, her, Mary Jo's parents are dead, but her cousin and uh, the extended family is alive, and so I, once she said to me that she wanted me to do it and to find out what I could find out, then I felt like I, I had to, even though I, I've had tough days a lot when it's daunting. And I, and I, but I'm really trying to do the right thing. And I think as long as you think uh, that it's the truth, right, my job is to try to tell the truth, then that's sort of my overarching, my, the, 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 my mantra about as I, as I go forward. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. And so, and, and you've done it so beautifully, and your voice is so soothing. <laughs> now, how did you, I mean, this is, again, it's such a different kind of a podcast than I do, because I just talk right. to people that we find interesting and fascinating, and we don't really have a script. But this seems very, like, I felt like I was watching a television show. So this is very scripted and planned out. Yeah, I, the interviews are not scripted, right? So I call people, or I've met with them. And then those interviews, but the, the script that I write, the one that you'll hear, I do write out. And it's also a new form for me. I honestly, I learned by listening to podcasts that I loved 
seen how they set things up and how much do they say. You know, the, the power of this format is the person's voice, right? Especially to hear these people who are, you know, 70s, 80s. I think the oldest person maybe was 89 or 90 that I've interviewed. Like when you hear them talking and also like it, that it, it's still vivid for them. Like, so, so my job is kind of to set it up, right? To sort of set the person up and then I'll, sometimes I'll do a little reprise. And because the story's so, from so long ago, I also have to, you know, I do a little explaining. But it's totally new. <laughs> you know, Except I feel like I'm learning also a little bit of history because this is right. obviously so much of, you know, our country's beloved Kennedy family. And so, and it's, and it's such a generational thing, right? So, so I grew up, watching listening to the stories about them and obviously there's so many of them still in the public eye but you know my kids and the younger generations don't have the thoughts i don't think of the kennedys that that you know yeah. just just because of, of age really so this is really carrying on the history of you know the fact that ted kennedy was supposed to be president right and it's true there's a lot of people who don't know this story and then it's I guess two things I thought were so interesting. One was that Bobby Kennedy's death really, so much of this story is connected to that because of what's happening to Ted. Um, you know, he's, he's really, right? So, so, so much grief and, and, and what the family's had to, there's our dog, sorry about that. Um, and so what he's dealing with, and that of course all the women worked for Bobby, and this was a reunion. Right, which I never day. knew before also. And then the other thing I thought that might be interesting for a younger audience is that, I don't know how you felt in listening to it, but Mary Jo was 28 years old, and she was a, you know, what we would call in the old days, right, a career girl, right, a woman who was completely impassioned by her career, impassioned by politics, about her work for Bobby, you know, they, and they, like, really, like one of her friends said, she was working 24-7, and that's just like you, <laughs> right, back right. in the TV producer days, and like me now, and she drove a Volkswagen, and she liked to shop. She was dating, and I and there was something really, you know. I think you see that picture of her, and it looks kind of dated, and you're. It seems from so long ago, but as I learned about her, and I, I thought so much. Oh, she's like so many of the young women that I, you know, started out with when I was starting out at that age, and how passionate we were. I mean, she wanted to change the world, and I think when you're working for Bobby, I mean, during that incredible period when he makes his presidential run, there was just there was just this this feeling. Um, so I thought I loved sort of trying to make her relatable as somebody that young women could um, think of, oh, she's like somebody I know, like me or like like us. So I thought that was a really, yeah, that really was connected to her in that way. And it did, because I never even knew that about her. I just knew the name just as, oh, she was the girl that was in the car, right? But we didn't know right. anything about her, really. Um, and now in your investigation and, and in the podcast, and you don't have to tell us because everyone, want, we want them to listen, but... Did you uncover a lot of new things that people were like, wow, that's, thank you for doing this? Well, you got I, I can only say so much, right? Because I can only say what you've Because we have to listen. Thus far. So we've got the first five episodes are already out. Number six will be this Thursday. I'll start sharing some new information about that night, something that somebody saw that might have. Oh, I'm not uh, there yet. Related I have to what to... happened. Wow. And, and then. Um, and then in the last episode, also, which I'm still in the process of writing as we speak, um, I'm trying to put together what I have been led to believe based on what I, what I have been told. But I, I, that's still a work in progress. 
but um, so you're still knee deep in it. I'm knee deep. I'm, you're like, I'm I love it. You're like a detective. <laughs> and yeah, do you do, has your son listened? Do you time. talk to him about it? Well, okay. So you know, my son is a 14 year old boy. So uh, let's just say <laughs> he is not. He likes to make fun of me. He likes to tease me. So, right. Uh, he is not. But I am hoping that someday he'll, you know, he'll tune in and he'll and he'll sort of understand why I was hunched over and staying up late and getting up early. Right. But it's funny with kids. Like, I don't know how you are, but you can't, like, he has to want to come to that on, on his own. He knows I'm doing it. Is he intrigued? You know, by it or by me? Or, he, that's, he's 14, so he really has no, doesn't know very much at all about, you know, the project that I'm working on. But I, I do have to hope that someday he'll listen to it. 14 is a tough age for that. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure he will at one point when he was like, what was she doing all that time? Yeah. Um, Liz, one other part of what I love learning about you and what you're doing and I think is so um, meaningful to other women is, is it, it's something new for you because you, you, I mean, it's in the same sort of wheelhouse because you've been a journalist for so long, but the fact that you, you know, had this opportunity to do something completely different and uncomfortable for you and, um, and just did it. So I think if you could share a little bit about the process of that, because, you know, for women who are at home and maybe, you know, in one place in their, in their career, but contemplating something else, I think that that would be really helpful. Oh, that's a great question. You know, it's so, I, it, it's been so completely invigorating for me to do it. I mean, completely daunting because I did not know how to do it and how to write scripts. But, um, it was so great to do something new. And, you know, I love my job at People, as all my friends know, and because um, and, we get to tell these really great stories. But this was a new format. And I could see how, you know, great stories are great stories, right? The ones you produce, the ones I've worked on over the years and now. But the, the way of telling the story can be different. So you see how the podcast format which is almost, I think of it as like an oral history almost, right? For, for this kind of story, for an old story, or the, like just the power of audio. Like it's so powerful, right? I can't write it as well as the person says it, who's lived through it. So now, of course, that's all I want to do. I want to listen to podcasts and I want to write for them because I love, I love hearing firsthand from the person. It's just so powerful. But, but, uh, but to answer your question, it's, it was tough. I've, worked a lot of weekends and a lot of nights and I'm, you know, I'm sitting at my dining room table reading, <laughs> talking to myself as I read it aloud because it's all about how it sounds, right? What you'll, what you'll hear um, um, when you listen to it. So, you know, all those things, daunting, sometimes overwhelming, exciting. Um, and you know, The thing about when your job asks you to do something, you have to do it, which is good in a way because I, I, you can't say I had to do it, but it was so great in the end. I mean, I'll, I'll be relieved on some level when it's over because it's been so intense. But, um, but it was great to do something new at this stage of my career. Right, and to learn a new, a new medium. Right, right. Well, uh, and, and a new way to write and a new way to, and to write under deadline and to write. You know, these, these, these scripts are much longer than the stories that I write at People. So, and like to really go in depth. So, it, it's been like an, an incredible experience and they gave me a great opportunity, but believe me, a lot of, you know, tossing and turning at night and, uh, you know, it's been, it has been a very intense experience. 
Well, I have enjoyed every minute of it, and I can't wait to continue listening. So thank, thank you so much for joining you, us, Liz. And for those of you who want to listen, and I really suggest you do, it's addicting. It's called Cover Up, and it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever podcasts are available. And thank you so much, Liz McNeil, for joining us. Oh, thanks, Denise. And hi to all the moms out there. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. We can't wait to see what's next for you. Okay, bye, my friend. Bye. Thank you so much to Liz McNeil and People Magazine and Cover Up. And I can't wait to continue listening. Uh, as Liz said, you know, as a busy working mom, it's sometimes, you know, making dinner or showing up to your kid's graduation is the best that you can do. But with Sunbasket, it's easy to cook healthy, delicious meals so you and your family can feel better eat better and skip the grocery store at the same time. 30 minute recipes and organic produce delivered weekly. Sign up. Sunbasket makes it easy and convenient to cook healthy, delicious meals at home, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. Now you get more options than ever. Go to Sunbasket app and pick from 18 weekly recipes. Easily cooked dishes like fully loaded beef tacos with Mexican simmer sauce. There are paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, vegan, Mediterranean, family options, and more. Sunbasket works with the best farms and suppliers to bring you fresh organic produce and reasonably raised meats and seafood. Everything is pre-measured and easy to prep. You get a delicious and healthy meal on the table in about 30 minutes. There's something for every healthy journey and every busy lifestyle. Here's what we want you to do. Go to sunbasket.com slash moms today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash moms for $35 off sunbasket.com slash moms. And as we like to end the show, I like to share the moms do your homework. And today my homework is, I have two of them. One is remember how easily it is to share something. You don't have to share something with the world, but if you're going through something, even just talking to one person might be helpful for you. They don't have to respond, they don't have to answer, but sometimes just sharing your story takes a load off of you. So that's that's my first Moms to Your Homework, just as it relates to my own story. And the second is something that Liz McNeil from People said. And I love um, the fact that it's it's, you know, Sometimes you don't have a choice with something that you have to do with work. Uh, but for her, taking this new opportunity to learn something new has been so invigorating. So, so the Moms Do Your Homework uh, about this is try something new. Uh, you'll, you'll never know, you know when you might feel like you are at the top of your career, but there could be something else that you could teach yourself, learn, or do. So so go for the challenge. So that is the Moms to Your Homework today. And thank you for listening to the Moms podcast. And we hope you share this with your friends. We hope you learned something. We hope you had fun. And we hope that you also follow our journey on Instagram. We're at themomsnetwork.com. So have a great week. And we'll be back with Will Arnett next week. <laughs>